Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, people of non-binary gender identity. My name is Andrew, and you're watching the first ever episode of Good Morning NSA, the show where we take the biggest headlines from the past week that I felt like were missing an anti-capitalist bias, and we're adding that bias to it. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you do, please leave a like. If you want to see more, please subscribe. Good morning, it is. Good morning. 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 NSA. On this week's episode, we'll be covering Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan, the flooding in Kentucky that killed 37, the drone strike the U.S. dropped in downtown Kabul, killing a senior member of Al-Qaeda who is responsible for 9-11. We'll also be covering Brittany Griner being sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison. Also, Alex Jones's defamation suit lost to the families of the victims from Sandy Hook. Our big story this week is going to be focusing on the inflation bill that Democrats are finally getting through the Senate. We have Mason from One Hand Politics coming over to talk to us about that. He is somebody who is actively campaigning for the Democratic Party and someone who I believe will have some good insights for us. We'll be asking him questions about the bill itself, uh, some of the hurdles, and whether or not it's going to help the Democrats in the midterms. Hopefully he can give us an insight into that. And without further ado, let's just crack straight into it. Diving straight into it with some somber news, 37 people died this week in Kentucky due to flash floods caused by historic rainfall in the region. The unprecedented rain is caused by greenhouse gas emissions heating up the atmosphere, causing more moisture to build. I have this statistic right in front of me. For every one degree the atmosphere warms, it can hold up to 4% more moisture, causing more rainfall. Obviously, this moisture gathers, becomes clouds, and what goes up must come down. And uh, Kentucky's infrastructure is just not built to handle that. Most states' infrastructure is not built to handle this kind of rainfall. And more of these environmental abnormalities are going to become normal. And, and our infrastructure is not built to handle how badly we are affecting the environment around us. And I know what you're thinking, Andrew, if we're allowing fossil fuel industry to destroy the planet, surely we're at least building infrastructure that can handle said destruction. No, we're not at all. We're dealing with antiquated roads, antiquated like drainage pathing, antiquated everything to deal with these sort of unprecedented weather events. We don't have anything to deal with it. We don't have the infrastructure built. We don't have the tools to fix it afterwards. We don't have any of that because infrastructure is not a sexy thing for people to invest money in, for our politicians to invest money in. At the federal level, it's way cooler to put our tax dollars in the, you know, military industrial complex or, you know, large subsidies for these, you know, giant corporations that uh, have to get bailed out every four to eight years, basically. So there's very little room in the budget federally. And on your state level, most of your state taxes are going to the state police department, making sure your local police department has a tank just in case you get a little rowdy and try to put a soup can through your target window which you in a video game this combination of a failing to prioritize infrastructure while also allowing fossil fuel industries to destroy the environment are going to cause more issues like this past week in Kentucky 37 people are dead 37 people those are human beings with lives and it's it's something that could be prevented on two fronts and i and i hope and we can build our political bargaining power to to match that of these fossil fuel titans that have dominated our politicians uh legislation for much too long 
Brittany Griner, WNBA superstar, was sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison this week for bringing a weed pen into an airport uh, on her way to play basketball in the offseason of the WNBA. She plays in Russia. Uh, she got caught with drugs, and now she's sentenced to nine years in jail, which is a pretty obvious situation of her being a political prisoner. It's not lost on anybody that Russia is currently experiencing a lot of pressure from the international community for their unjust invasion of the Ukraine uh, and their use of force in the region. And it seems that they are attempting to put that pressure on other members of the international community to kind of play ball with them. They are doing that via their energy exports to Germany. They've kind of been playing with that for the past few weeks and it looks like they will continue to. And uh, it seems like they're doing the same thing with Brittany Griner. The United States, on the other hand, has already begun a plan to do a prisoner swap, which is a rare occasion or a rare occurrence, um, more rather. Uh, but it does happen. And the details of the prisoner swap are pretty simple. The United States is asking for Brittany Griner and a Marine that is currently being held in Russia. I do not know why the Marine is being held in Russia, but he is. And, you know, God knows what, God knows what he got caught doing in Russia. But it, it, the United States want him to be a part of the deal. And in exchange for them, the United States is offering up a Russian arms dealer who is somebody who's been accused of selling weapons to terrorists or something. And conservatives are very mad, but of course they're going to have an insane take on this, right? And conservatives are like, oh, let Brendan Griner stay in prison, you know? Because, I mean, for so many reasons, you know, mostly bigoted ones, I'll add. And liberals, on the other hand, are who I want to focus on for this, uh, for this specific issue. Now, if you're upset over the punitive treatment of Brittany Griner for such a minuscule offense, something that doesn't harm anybody, something that is completely innocent for the most part, uh, whether you have a bad attitude toward drugs or not, you know this is not that big a fucking deal. I want you to take some of that logic that you're directing and you're being angry at Russia for, and I want you to turn it back on the United States and our law enforcement and our judicial system's treatment of drug, nonviolent drug offenders in our country. We are disgusting. We have ruined lives. We have killed countless people, ruined lives, jailed people for, for, for incredibly long times for completely nonviolent drug offenses. If you have this attitude towards Brittany Griner and the situation she's in, I beg you, I implore you to have that attitude towards incarcerated people in the United States who are suffering, in some instances, even harsher punishments for is just as inconsequential offenses. It's, it's, uh, I'm just looking for a little consistency from liberals on this. And I hope that somebody hears this and they're like, damn, dude, kind of had a point. Fuck. Everyone's favorite conspiracy theorist and InfoWars host Alex Jones this past week uh, has been found guilty of defamation towards the Sandy Hook uh, victims' families, saying it's not real, saying all these horrible things, saying that they're crisis actors and that it was like a big conspiracy. Of course, Alex Jones type shit has been found uh, guilty of that and owes the family $4.9 million. Now, that would be a fun headline to talk about if it wasn't overshadowed by Alex Jones's defense attorney accidentally sent over all of Alex Jones's personal communications via email and text to the opposing legal team. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if Alex Jones's lawyer is like, fuck it, dude, I'm going to like say this is an accident and just like fuck Alex Jones, which would be pretty fucking awesome. I doubt it, though. He seems kind of dumb. 
And now that information, which was used to further incriminate Alex Jones in the case that he was facing this past week, is going to be gathered by the January 6th commission and used to find out if he had any more connections with the insurrection of January 6th of uh, 2020. It's, it's insane. It's insane. And it's hilarious. And uh, you, you can't make this shit up, dude. If you follow Alex Jones and you think like his crazy ass is like funny to watch on his rants, then you're in for a treat these next few months because this shit's about to get crazy because he's facing big boy trouble. That's pretty funny to me. Moving on to the U.S. drone striking, a downtown Kabul building that was housing an ex uh, Al Qaeda. No, not an ex Al Qaeda. Excuse me, a senior Al Qaeda member uh, who was directly involved in the 9/11 plots. Now, obviously, the dude's a fucking scumbag. Whatever, he dies. He dies. He was 71 years old, so it's kind of like he got to live a full life. But whatever, you know, I guess we got like good old American justice going. My only take on this situation is how is it appropriate for us to even even knowing the information that somebody bad is somewhere and we want to carry out justice on them? How is it appropriate for us to drone strike, shoot missiles in a house in a city? Can you for one moment take a step back and imagine a French man? Imagine a French man who worked for the government, did something horrible, committed a horrible crime, killed a bunch of people, defected, went and hid somewhere, and he ended up in Tampa, Florida, and he was in a shack in Tampa. And all of a sudden, the French government got information on this, and they're like, we're going to get him. And instead of hitting up the United States, they just bombed some house in Tampa. You know what I'm saying? It, It blows my mind that there's not more pushback on the United States government for just like sending missiles without any sort of repercussions. We need to be holding our government officials accountable for stuff like this. I don't care what your feelings towards the person that died are. It's, it's absurd to think that we can take a country with autonomy, supposedly, and, 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 and send missiles into their own buildings and their own cities and their own infrastructure and destroy things in effort to kill a singular person, a 71-year-old. We need to not celebrate this, you know, like, but the way that we went about it is just objectively wrong. It makes no sense, dude. That would not fly in any other country in the world, dude. But it's, it's only because it's like a Middle Eastern country that has been ravaged by the West for the past 20, 30 years. And it, it's an insane concept that we can, we can bomb with impunity. And it's something that we as citizens need to push back on harder and not allow our politicians to celebrate this as if it's a win or a gotcha or something. It's absurd. And we need to be better. It's ridiculous. One of the larger headlines from this past week was Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Now, I'm not an expert on this, so it's a large headline that I'll be taking a very short amount of time on. Nancy Pelosi's ceremonial visit to Taiwan to signify that she stands in support with them against the Communist Party of China or that she supports their freedom or their liberty or their democracy is completely antithetical 
to the United States' official position on China. We recognize China's one China policy, saying that Taiwan is a part of China. It is, an, it is a functioning part of China. It is not its own country. Taiwan is not a country. Why is Nancy Pelosi allowed to do this? Well, because the United States government, although we say we support the one China policy, clearly we wouldn't mind seeing tensions between the Taiwanese people and China uh, stay high. We don't want them to to operate as one because Taiwan is a, is a great foothold in the region. It's like strategically a very strong place for... Uh, for uh military operations in china and it is a uh it is it has always been a a favorite pawn of the united states for quite some time now uh the response from the chinese government seems pretty tame uh they launched some military drills and practice shit and that's got like a bunch of people all shook up and like scared i guess but like it was i don't know the united states does that all the time i don't really care and they also put sanctions on nancy pelosi personally the details of the sanction I'm not 100% sure on, but I'm sure it's mostly ceremonial, much like her visit of, cere- visit of Taiwan was ceremonial in its, in its uh, practice. And here to talk more about the inflation reduction bill that was passed through the Senate today is Mason from One Hand Politics. Mason, if you'll go ahead and say what's up real quick and a little bit about what you do. Hey everyone, uh, I work for a political uh, outreach committee. So uh, the title of our organization is called Grassroots Voter Outreach. We do a lot of outsource um, campaign programs for certain candidates and certain nonprofits and political groups across the country. So we work with like ACLU, Environment America, Planned Parenthood. And uh, right now in Denver, we're working on a lot of state legislative candidates and we're trying to help them get elected. Nice, 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 nice. That's definitely as active as I would like to be. Yeah, off the books. Uh, I'm not super proud of some of the candidates that we endorse, but you know it's better than the opposition. That's for sure. I mean, that's so, uh, as long as we're not getting right wingers in. Yeah, <laughs> <a> legislator. <laughs> how how dare you uh, participate in a system that you don't 100 percent agree with? You you communist know, right? hypocrite! How dare you? Uh, so hypocrite. In this bill, this thing has been what like a year, right? In in uh, process uh, or in like a trying to get Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin on board. They were holding out for a long time. And uh, I think recently Chuck, Chuck Schumer had like a private meeting with Joe Manchin. And uh, they came across a, uh, came, I guess, got Joe Manchin on board. What do you think he did to finally whip these guys in, into uh, in a shape here? I mean, Manchin and Cinema both have, you know, stronger corporate interests than a lot of Democrats do in the Senate. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily a unique part about them. I just think that they're the most vocal ones about it because they have to be for a lot of their voter base. Honestly, like if we're being real, Manchin and Cinema aren't in the Senate. Uh, two other Democrats would assume that role of like the foil for the party. But a lot of them, you know, feel comfortable in passing politics or using that or passing up progressive measures or using the rhetoric at least that they would because they know that, you know, their electorate isn't on the line. So as long as like, like uh, there's two to kind of take the fall for the rest of the corporate Dems, uh, there will always be a cinema or a mansion. Uh, the... But uh, as far as like what Schumer did convince them, mm-hmm. uh, a big like uh, a big point that he really pushed was uh, lowering corporate minimum tax provisions. 
And uh, Manchin has said that that's something that he's just not going to put up to debate. Uh, he's saying that as long as you know we're passing more climate measures or we're increasing government spending, we have to lower the corporate minimum tax provision, which is the most fucking laissez-faire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's talking point. It's absurd. It is, I, it is what it is. And the uh, the concept of the rotating spoiler is definitely not something that is lost on me. And something that, like, you're absolutely right. If it wasn't cinema and mansion, it would just be, you know, the dude from Jersey who has all those, like, pharmaceutical lobbies, like, on his leg all the time. And then, you know, somebody else. Do you think this, this bill is enough right now in regards to uh, climate as far as the $369 billion they're putting towards climate infrastructure to reduce emissions by 40% by 2030? Uh, do you, do, you, do you see that as being something that is, is just going to be a start? Or do you think the Democratic Party is going to kind of rest on their laurels with that and, and not really push for further climate action? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's not like there's nothing in the bill. Uh, so a lot of it includes, you know, lowering prescription drug prices. Uh, they're providing, just like you said, $300 billion towards like climate initiatives and clean energy. I think a big part of it is like imposing a 15% minimum tax on like large corporations mm -hmm. that are committing a lot of polluting and you know what's fucking up the environment. Uh, plus, there's like a 1% excise tax on stock buybacks, which you know that's that's in the good direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the but, uh, one percent like, is nice. It, yeah, uh, does it satisfy you know the needs of the time? Like, absolutely not. Uh, this is like a, a fraction of a fraction compared to the 3.5 trillion legislation that they like originally envisioned. Yeah. And just like we were talking about earlier, you know, I know a lot of them knew that that wouldn't pass, which is probably why, you know, more than normal, uh, a lot of Democrats were on board with a bill that big. But uh, it's better than nothing, and it's better than a, a Republican administration. I feel like I'm just a broken record fucking saying that. No, no. I'm you're, such a shill for the fucking DNC. You're 100% you're right. I, like, I'm somebody who, I mean, like, I, I live in Virginia, dude. I went out and voted for Terry McAuliffe for governor. I didn't see one Terry McAuliffe ad. I didn't, he didn't like campaign like strongly at all. And, you know, I'm still at the voter. Yeah. I'm still at the booth. I'm still drafting my vote for him because like I'm, you know, it can't be overstated that like at least you can almost trick and or bully the Democrats into passing good legislation. It's just impossible. Like it's not even on the table, right. For a Republican administration. Um, so you don't sound like a broken record. It, it can't be stated enough. It's not always just about voting. Voting is definitely like essential and everyone should be doing it. But I mean, you're absolutely right. Like it takes more than just fucking going to the polls to actually make that progressive change happen. I mean, the biggest way that we're going to actually see you know, real progressive action is through like changing the culture. And that's not going to happen unless you're directly involved instead of just, you know, waiting to go to the booths. Exactly. Doing your nine to five and not really doing anything. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, a really good example of uh, Republicans, even in Republican states, they they galvanize their voters so well and they they get everybody hyped up and excited over stuff and they they will appeal to the most fringe far right, whatever they can, if it means they can secure a vote for the Republican Party. I think if the Democrats ran campaigns in a similar capacity towards more progressive side of the left, they would also find more voters instead of searching for this invisible centrist Republican who's finally going to get in there and cast his vote for, you know, Pelosi or whoever the fuck.
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Like the way that especially, you know, they'll galvanize under one particular issue or like in opposition to something is something that's so simplistic, but is much needed in the Democratic Party. I mean, we're obviously the, the party of policy. I don't know a single Republican Damn. policy besides end the fucking restrictions on guns, lower yeah. taxes, and fucking punish women for getting abortions. Like, those are the three big policies that I see on the right. Everything else is just fucking rhetoric, which is, A, CRT bad, trans people bad, fucking... Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, the so great replacement theory, all that, all the, all the hits. Yeah, exactly. And that's not policy, you know, heavy. And, like, the Democratic Party is so focused on so many different areas of trying to change that it's so it gets so fuzzy you know and their whole message becomes oh republican bad which you know is a good message but if we like galvanize under one particular issue or we got a lot of energy for people to come out and you know do like a protest or something because obviously like fundraising is important part of politics Mm -hmm. and you need money to actually make things happen but the way that pelosi and a lot of like mainstream libs actually do it is they utilize a lot of hatred for a particular issue and it's just okay now just fundraise and that's the solution that's how you get it done yeah which is like no like you can like push for like maybe a a group organization or you can push for like you know a particular protest that's like sponsored by the dnc that'd be fucking dope Mm -hmm. and then you have like fundraisers there so people who actually you know can contribute to that while they're at these meetings while they're already energized like that's a good way to fundraise and you're doing something like in return that causes like a lot of exposure or a lot of media attention like those are those are the only ways you're gonna get like big democratic wins because right now people are just fucking pissed off because they feel like you know the DNC is not doing anything for their specific concerns and like they have a right to be pissed off and Biden has like a lower approval rating right now than Trump did at this term which yeah. is like fucking it's insane. insane yeah it's absolutely insane but it also shows like how quickly I think the the left is to uh, say you know I'm not satisfied with this versus the rights like inability to say i'm not satisfied with this and just be like fuck it you know like it's all good anything's good um i think that something that directly proves that there are even in red states a lot of progressive people who care about these things are the the vote in kansas this past week uh to to not amend their state constitution to change the way they do abortions there kansas is a red state man it's it's the middle of the country it's it's a place that's like a loss for Democrats, I believe, for the most part. And yet, they, I, I think they won it 59% to 41. Yeah, Kansas, in my opinion, would be the last state, at least as far as the red states, to actually you know, go against a lot of the rhetoric that exactly. they espouse. And so like, the fact that you know, they're like, well, this is too far right for us. Yeah. It's, like, it's a fucking great sign to see you know, a majority of the country agrees on policy. It just all comes down to like showmanship and it comes down to rhetoric and it comes down to, oh, Trump's a strong man. He's not actually going to do a lot of the crazy shit he says, but it gets me fucking amped up because it's wild that Kansas, you know, protect like their main issue. I feel like the right's main issue for the past 40 years has been like, fuck abortion. It's murder, blah, blah, blah. And we're starting to see some pushback when it actually, you know, is put time to put your money where your mouth is. I wonder how many people in Kansas that made up that difference because they thought the vote was going to be a lot uh, closer than it was. I wonder how many people were people that were like center left or right even that are like, no, like I still think, you know, people should have access to abortions or how many more people, young progressives that maybe don't vote in the elections in Kansas, like for candidates, but, you know, uh, were more mobilized for a specific policy, knowing that it wasn't going to be in the hands of some 
candidate, but more just a direct vote. Yeah, no, honestly, I saw a, a survey uh, a little while back. I can't remember who conducted it, but it was showing that, especially because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and people are just having more time to have sex. Yeah, a lot of Republicans yeah. have had actually had um, they've they've had like abortion be a part of you know or have. They had a, had an issue that affected them that required an abortion. Yeah, and so a lot of Republicans, when they actually you know have to go through that, or they have a loved one that has to go through that, like just anecdotally, my aunt has always been someone who's super super like anti-abortion. Really, and her my cousin needed an abor- abortion, and my aunt's like, oh fuck, like I'm not gonna tell you no. So it's always like I f- what I feel is like when it doesn't affect you, like it's really easy to say some shit, but as soon as like it does affect you, like you know people have a different stance. And I think a majority of the right, well, I don't want to say a majority, but a large chunk of the right is, is starting to recognize that. Yeah. Even I, the same thing with like gay rights. Like there have been a couple of candidates who have been super anti-gay rights and like are on board with Clarence Thomas of like removing Obergefell. And now some of the Republican Party is like, wait, we moved on from this. Like we're no longer an anti-gay party. Yeah. Even though like all of their you yeah. know, politicians are passing legislation that fucks over LGBTQ communities. But still, it's like, you know, as far as rhetorically, they don't want to be, like, anti-gay. Like, I, no, that's, that's not the government's place type thing. I have so it's good to see some progress, I guess. Yeah, I have seen some disillusioned uh, gay Republicans on social media recently that were, like, you know, like, confused and hurt by the Republican Party's sort of, like, progression towards that. And I was like, man, like, I feel a lot of empathy for you, partially because you're going to be affected by this. But also, like, how did you not, like, how did you not see this in the plan, you know? Yeah um with that said it's wild we're talking about like midterms and uh stuff like that on the stream this week and uh do you think that this bill is going to be like this bill plus roe v wade and uh the landslide causing by that do you think the democrats have a better chance than they did a few months ago in the midterms uh i don't think this bill is going to change uh or if i don't want to say change but this bill isn't going to energize a lot of left-wing people to go out there for the polls i think a better campaign to run on is the abortion issue mm-hmm. as fucking stupid as it is i yeah. think it's hard for democrats to run on that issue especially when they've had the opportunity time and time again to like codify abortion rights mm-hmm. but still you know i think that they can utilize a lot of the anger and a lot of the energy that's been you know brewing because of all of the roe v wade shit that's been going on across the country so i do think it's a successful strategy until like republicans say well why didn't you actually yeah. codify this but i don't think they they ever will so who knows who knows what's gonna happen if i was a betting man right now and this is totally off the clock i'm not at my job pretend i'm just an outsider um Noted. I, i'm not very confident in the dnc to win in the midterms but i think it will be a turning point in uh getting biden or some whoever is in charge there you know, some sort of gumption to actually get shit done. Like, I think he'll probably try to, you know, at least cancel student debt as like a big issue. Yeah. Or he'll try to pass an even larger bill. And then they're going to run on, oh, we would have done this, but Republicans have Congress. So, you know, it, it, there anything could happen. Uh, ever since Trump, I really don't like to make predictions. Cause, yeah. Cause I don't fair. know what the fuck is going on. But uh, yeah, if I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be too confident. But we will win a lot of key races. Yeah. So like Fetterman, a uh, race that I've been working on for the past like. Fuck it. You've been working on Fetterman? Yeah. So I, went, I was in Philly for the past two months. Yeah. And I was working on the Fetterman and Shapiro campaign. 
and now I'm in Denver and we're working on a lot of like state uh state legislation elections, so yeah. like House Assembly and House Senate. Or I mean state Senate and State Assembly. Uh because Colorado did a huge redistricting uh last session and they are gonna get fucked if we don't get a lot of Democrats out there to vote. So we really want to make sure that happens. Uh redistricting um, did, yeah, but, uh, sorry, what was re- redistricting did the did like uh did things go in the favor of like the Republican Party or they get kind of gerrymandered up over there? Uh, it's definitely more in their favor. I wouldn't say that they're favored to win, yeah. but uh, they did break up a lot of strong blue uh, like house districts, and they've kind of like merged them in with more conservative districts. Hmm. So it, it all depends on like how many people are energized to go out and vote. Uh, from what we've seen and the data we've collected just from door-to-door canvassing, uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of people excited to go to the polls, and you know, especially the abortion issue has been a huge... Uh, repeating talking point that a lot of people have been telling us on why they're going to vote blue. Yeah. So those are like good signs uh, that we relay even to the DNC on like, you know, better ways to strategize advertisement and marketing to people. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fucking awesome. And that's like sick ass work that you're doing. Uh, you know, how split is the Republican party between like the, uh, the, uh, the Liz Cheney conservatives versus the, you know, uh, always Trump conservatives. I think it's, it's definitely out of balance. Um, everyone in the Republican party, if they want a flourishing career now is behind Trump and you just can't, if you're not, uh, Liz Cheney is definitely going to get primaried. You can quote me on that. I do not think that she wins her election campaign. Huh? I said predictions. Let's go, dude. Yeah, I do not think she's going to win her re-election campaign. Even though, like, you know, she has a lot of strong hometown support, I think that the the rhetoric against she's a traitor is just too strong. Yeah. And, like, uh, Liz, she got her fucking dad to do an ad. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Where he's like, Trump is terrible. And it's like, you're going to let the fucking biggest war criminal in American history try to condemn Donald Trump right now? I thought Dick Cheney was dead, if I'm being honest with you, man. I, I like to think I'm pretty plugged in, but I was like, oh, my God, like, he's kicking. Yeah, no, it was wild, and he sounded coherent. And there's like, dude, there's no like, justice in this world, man. No, there's not. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to me, and it's like, I've seen a lot of, like, libs that are, like, praising Dick fucking Cheney. Dude, and it's of like, course they will, dude. It's insane to me. So no. I, I don't think that the never-Trumpers have a long time in office. Yeah. Maybe besides Mitt Romney, because he has his whole cult. You know, the Mormons, dude, yeah. Like, yeah, they're never going to let him go. But uh, I think he's, like, the only one that has, like, a future career in the Republican Party, at least. Like, you might even see people like Liz Cheney, like, switch to, like, an independent or switch to, like, even Democrat, maybe, and try to be, like, a Manchin-esque Democrat. I mean, like, like I, think, I think that highlights these, like, the micro-thin line between what is Liz Cheney and what is Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema or any, like, centrist liberal, you know? Like, she absolutely could flip yeah. and she'd be on par with their you know their kind of ideology in general yeah it's it's definitely going to be weird to see like the infighting on the right because it's always been infighting on the left yeah like the past like 10 15 years you know it's been like the um mike gravel and the bernie sanders of the party like fighting off against like liberal establishment and now you finally see the infighting on the right where it's like you know a crypto fascist versus like just a full-on fuck of yeah yeah, like, yeah between like yeah. an evangelical christian yeah yeah it, uh, it's it's wild 
Um, I, I think as far as like the the presidency, uh, if Trump announces before the midterms, actually, I would favor the Democrats because I think Trump is a big enough uh, motivator for people to vote against. Uh, then Biden is a motivator for people to vote for. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I mean, it's how you got to like. I've the been person. telling people that. People call me crazy because I'm like rooting for a Trump run, but I really want Trump to run again because I think that's Biden's only chance of winning. He gets fucked by DeSantis. He gets absolutely creamed by even someone like a uh, Lindsey Graham. Dude, like it's it's that bad. Yeah. I uh, do. I guess the Democratic Party really has no choice but to put up Joe Biden again in twenty. 2024 huh yeah that's i mean like mm-hmm. i understand that's usually the procedure but i I've, i know we're dealing with like unprecedented ages at the same time you know so i didn't know if yeah. we were ever going to yeah, reevaluate if, if that thinking, yeah no i honestly think there should be a maximum like age limit oh for sure for, like holding office like once you're past 70 bro like just retire you could be like a like an advisor yeah you can be like you know someone who like helps out people but you should not be like in leadership especially of the country when you're like over 70. Yeah. Like the fact that they sent Pelosi out to Taiwan, I was like, bro, like this is not a representative of the people of America. Dude, I love the Kamala one-liners, you know, like those like one, like those like infinitely cyclical sentences of no actual words. She'd be like, now's the time for us to do the things that it is we need to do because now's the time. And you're like, fuck yeah, Kamala. queen of saying nothing. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And the last one, I literally, yeah, go for it, go for it. Hillary would say nothing, but at least like you'd see where where she was like at least talking about. Like she would, you know, still talk about the issue and then just say nothing about the issue. Yeah. Where Kamala's asked like point blank and she won't even like acknowledge the question. It's just literally like we've been succeeding and we'll continue to succeed <laughs> yeah. because we're successful. And it's like, bro, like it's like she's like the fucking Kellyanne Conway of like the DNC. Yeah, it reads like a bad office motivational poster, you know. Literally. Um, so last thing I was watching, are you, you're familiar with uh, JT and Second Thought, the YouTube channel, right? Yeah. Okay, so he had uh, a video. JT, I don't think I've seen JT, but so I have seen Second Thought. Second Thought, so JT is the guy that runs Second Thought. My bad. Oh. Um, yeah, okay. JT Chapman or whatever his name is. So he posted a video uh, a few days ago talking about there are some packs that are like like Pelosi packs and stuff like that, like some like very center, center, center liberal PACs that are actually funding in some capacity ads for far right uh, candidates and Trump Republicans and stuff like that. Some real fringe freaks. And uh, as a strategy to put weaker opponents up against them in the election, I just wanted you to give your take on that. Yeah, that is such a bold strategy. I frankly think it's fucking stupid. Like you should be using money to promote your candidates you should be using money to get the word out there um, and show like why all Republicans across the aisle are not good for the country. But if you're like going to actively help like an opponent that is just much worse for marginalized communities as it is than like a moderate Republican, you're risking so much. Yep. So like uh, Shapiro's campaign did the same thing, and not to shit talk my old boss, <laughs> but yeah. he he brought up Doug Mastriano, and now he's going against Doug Mastriano for the governor's race in Pennsylvania. And if Mastriano gets into office, which, like, you know, hopefully he doesn't, I'm pretty sure he, do- he won't. Uh, right now, Shapiro and Fetterman are both leading the polls. Good. Fetterman by a much larger margin. That's because he's John um, Fetterman, baby. Did- what was that? I said that's because he's John Fetterman, baby, you know? He's Fetterwin. Yeah, he's got the sauce. Fetterwin. Continue, though. 
Yeah, but the the low uh, a lot of lower income communities aren't a fan of Josh Shapiro. Honestly, he used to be a DA. He was a district uh, general attorney. So like a lot of them don't feel comfortable with voting him in. Not that he's not better than uh, Doug Mastriano. Yeah. But totally. like the fact that they helped Doug Mastriano get to like the opposition, where like he's announced that he's going to remove abortion day one, and like he's going to fucking end. Uh, any pushback against the minimum wage in Pennsylvania, which is still seven dollars and twenty five fucking cents, like it's insane. Yeah, like he would be so terrible for Pennsylvania, and like Dems are risking that happening because they think it's like an easier win. I mean, that's what they did with Hillary and Trump. Yep, right. That's Hillary exactly was like literally, was she was like, I wanted, I want to go against Donald Trump. That would be such a great race. She was talking about it the entire time through every media cycle. She didn't even go to like Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia. You know, she didn't go to any of these states because she thought they were just so in the back. Yeah. And like when you have that overconfidence, like you risk like a really shit candidate beating you out. So I don't know. I honestly don't like it. Yeah, I I definitely think it's uh. I think I think it's like an unethical form of uh, you know campaigning and you know running it because you're risking too much and you're you're really showing I think how uh, how little you value the chance you're taking shows how little you value your constituency which I don't think is lost upon them if they gain this information you know like I don't think like they would go to the polls if they found out which is like public record knowledge you know what I'm saying like it seems it just seems really risky to me and I completely agree with you on that. And it was definitely their ideology against Donald Trump in 2016. It blew up in their face. Yeah, it's it's the strategy of like just mass destruction, and it's like hoping that like you know, oh my God, this person's so terrible that they're they're gonna have no choice but to vote for us. Yeah. And then when they do win, it's the oh my God, can you believe they won? Yeah. Please donate to us so this doesn't happen again. Wow. And it's like, bro, that's it's just like you said, completely unethical. It's so fucked up. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you coming out and talking. Uh, I will say one thing. You said Hillary didn't visit the uh, Rust Belt. What do you mean, dude? She didn't lose because of the Bernie bros, and we all know it. It was us on Twitter. We threw the election. Definitely not the uh, campaign strategy. Yeah, you know, uh, I just wish lefties would just give it up to the neolibs and yeah. stop fighting for actual for progress like yeah. it's fucking you'll take the scraps and you'll be happy about it um so uh go ahead and real quick plug your socials and anything you're working on personally oh yeah yeah uh i'm super busy with politics i'm really trying to stream more i've done three streams so far and hopefully i get a more consistent schedule where i'm able to do that but hey that's the nature of politics it's we're called in whenever we need to be and i'm working fucking countless hours but I was glad to be able to come on. Uh, all of my socials are One Hand Politics. Uh, it's a very distinctive name. Nice. Yeah. Uh, on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm on all three. So follow me there. Hopefully the content gears up. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Hey, I really appreciate it. And um, I've been streaming on Twitch for like three years now. So you just hit me up if you have any questions about like settings or like hardware, software, whatever you need. Hit me up, dude. I really appreciate you coming on here for the first episode and doing me a big favor. Uh, you're way smarter than me, so my viewers will appreciate you hearing, you know, coming from you as opposed to my goofy ass. So, hey, uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. Hell yeah. Yeah, take it easy, brother. I'll hit you up sometime soon, all right? Yeah, see you, Peace. man. Yeah.
So yeah, that was Mason with One Hand Politics. And make sure you go give him a follow. I'll put all his socials in the link below. Thank you so much for watching the video. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a like. Uh, if you want to see more of it every week, Monday morning, subscribe. Uh, we also have a ton of other content going on. Go ahead, click the link below for my Twitch stream and all my other socials. I don't know what else to say, dude. Thank you so much for watching. I can't wait to do more of these. You guys are awesome and beautiful. Drink water. Don't text your ex and have a good night. Good morning. It is. Good morning. 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 NSA.